Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search. Brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And I love to bring you interesting people in this morning from all around the world. We're going to get right to our guest here in just a minute, but I'd like to welcome Lisa Donnells, executive director of Human Edge and author of The Human Edge Advantage, Mastering the Art of Being All In. You know I love that. Her book emphasizes the importance of leaders and their team co-creating successful outcomes. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you so much, Casey. It's such a warm welcome, and I'm so excited to be with you from Basel, Switzerland. I did, that is so crazy to me, and I was like, when we were trying to figure out a time to record, I'm like, how are we going to yeah. make this work? Because what time is it there? Um, it's almost um, uh, around six. Oh. Almost six, yeah. Well, thank you for agreeing to join us so late in your day, because I know I'm very no protective of my after hours and people are yeah. like, will you come do a podcast at like seven or eight? And I'm like, no, no, I will not. So um, us ladies also don't look as good that good at eight o'clock at night, do we? <laughs> exactly. It's like your face starts melting yeah. off by that point. At exactly. least mine does. So but we yes, really appreciate exactly. you joining us. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Why? Because when we first talked, you're originally, you're a U.S. citizen. So why I are you am. in Switzerland? And still am. And why still are you in am. Switzerland? Yeah. No, it's, um, you know, this is one of the interesting things is when I, I had my own business in New York and I got a phone call um, from a search, a search uh, head, headhunter, similar to what you guys do. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and they said, oh, there's this wonderful job in Basel, Switzerland. It's working for a company called Novartis. Um, that's a pharmaceutical company. And um, I read through the job description and I had lived in Europe before. So that, that lifestyle was of interest to me. So I said, sure, let me explore it. It looks interesting at the time. Um, so as I explored it um, and I went for interviews, I came back and I really, to be honest with you, I really wasn't sure about it because I thought, do I really want to give up my whole, my whole life? you know, give up, sell my apartment in New York and take my dogs over with me. And, you know, and I had just started dating someone in New York. So I was really kind of like, not sure. And then as I was reflecting on it, I'm a big believer that intuition drives our decisions. And um, my intuition said, no, you need to go. And I didn't, I, I didn't really understand why. And I knew it, I knew the job was good, but I knew it, I was going for more than the job. And of course, you know, after getting into Switzerland for about a year and a half, um, I also met my husband. So I felt like that was really the journey to him and to us starting a business together. So I think that was um, super exciting that I, I, that journey wouldn't have happened if I followed my rational mind. You know, and I think that it's so important that we do listen to our intuition because it is guiding us even subconsciously yes. in the direction that we desire. And I think that you did that is just incredible. It's such a great lesson. Yeah. And it was, I mean, and it was a lesson, and I talk about this in the book as well, about if we really want to be ourselves, we have to have the courage 
right? And part of that courage is taking leaps of faith. And I had no idea. I mean, I didn't sell my apartment yet in New York, but I did, but I did say, you know what? I'm going to go not knowing what it's going to turn into. And it turned into a beautiful story that's still unfolding. I le- How long ago was that? 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, 10 I- years. I can't believe it. And I love that you were so open to taking a risk because sometimes people want to live in that comfort zone and they don't want to take the risk and they may miss out on the career of a lifetime or a journey of a lifetime, you know, more than just your career. I love that. Well, it was everything. And and it was, you know, and for so long, I mean, I don't know if uh, for any of the ladies listening out there, but dating in New York is really challenging. So you go through a lot of dates and dates and online dates. And they always, I always felt like there was always somebody in the wings that somebody was waiting for. So Mm -hmm. people didn't really give each other a chance in dating in New York, where I felt, you know, coming to Europe, it was much different. It felt like it was, uh, it was, it, it was, it better suited who I was and the deeper relationships I wanted in my life. I love that so much. I'm not so sure that it's that much better in the Dallas area, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, let's. Tell us about you. So we know that you went to Switzerland for this job with Novartis, but what role were you playing? In in Novartis, you mean, or in general? But all. Tell us a little bit about you, your experience. Yeah, so perfect. I'm happy to do that. So I want to start off with something that I think is uh, important. So I've always been in human resources, and I've always played the role as a specialist. So whether it was leadership development, it was organizational development, And I always like, no matter what drove me, it was always about having business impact. Like I didn't want to just do the work. I wanted to make a difference, whether it was in an organization's life or a person's life. And um, in a good way of the way I can describe it the best is I'll start off with a story about my dad because he was the biggest influence in my life growing up. And one day he said to me, Lisa, you missed your calling in life. You should have been a philosopher. And I replied to him, I am dad, I'm just not a traditional one, right? And, I, and, I, and funny enough, I recently came across the original definition of the word philosophy, which comes from the ancient Greek, which is philos, which is love. And the other one is Sophia, which comes from wisdom. So even as a small child, I always was curious. I still am. It drives my husband absolutely nuts because I'm always asking questions. And my, I was always asking questions of my dad. And my dad, you know, one of the, before the internet, one of my favorite, favorite, I mean, ho- uh, holiday gifts that I got was he got me the Encyclopedia Britannica. And for me, it was like my whole world opened up because I could then start to surf the books but really it was the beginning of surfing the web and um and really tying into and and learning that so for me it's always about integration how do we integrate multiple concepts and that's something that i i feel really strongly about it's something human edge stands for and you'll find it throughout the book because we talk about one of the first chapters is integrating the head heart and gut how do you bring all of those three qualities and simultaneously at the same time so you can have more capacity in your life. And then you can really live your dreams and have the impact you want on society. I, I think that is so important. And I, you know, when you and I first had our conversation, it was just like, oh. I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I'm trying to do just in a different oh. way. You know, I want to, you know, 
awaken the world to the possibilities to their potential and it's and, and it all begins with what you just said the mind body body and the gut oh. or your intuition Absolutely. because that's where a lot of people believe intuition resides is in your gut so yeah. um and so how long have you and your husband been now is he part of human edge as well he is. He's one of the founders. His name is Christian Neubert. So um, we've been doing this for in in February. It'll be eight years. I can't believe it's also eight years. So or what, seven, no, seven years. It'll be seven years. Yeah. So what is the mission of Human Edge? So if you if we take a step back, we really believe in enabling leaders and teams to lead to operate from a place of personal power, authenticity to connect with others and co-create possibilities to propel organizations to move forward. It's really important for us. And one of the things like our products are called core. And the reason we do that is because if you don't understand the core of who you are, you cannot operate at the best level of leadership. Otherwise you're always gonna be operating from a place of fear or from a place of the mind only. So you really need to understand yourself. So we really say, we need to make sure we create self-aware leaders mm. because when you have self-aware leaders and you have people in the teams that are also growing in their own self-awareness and their personal power, then people can do anything together. The, 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 the sky is the limit. Possibilities can unfold, can unfold that no one ever, ever would have expected. And I think that's the beauty and the magic because when you talk about possibilities and when each person brings their piece to the, the each of their puzzle, it's not just the puzzle pieces, it's like something new emerges that never would have existed before. And, and, and so that's the exciting part. I, and it is so exciting. And here's kind of what, where my brain goes when you're given that description, because I think so many times, you know, leaders are afraid to delegate and allow others to co-create with them and yeah. so, okay, so I'm hitting the nail on the head. And no, you're I, hitting on something very important. It's a key concept in the book. Well, Absolutely. Well, talk a little bit about that because I know yeah. for me, as yeah. I was growing into leadership, that was a real fear of mine. I was afraid to delegate or give yeah. control away to other people because I felt like it diminished me. No, I think I think you bring up a really good point because as, as part of this journey, um, you have to be really secure in yourself. And when you become secure in yourself, then you're willing to share power. Our traditional model of leadership is all about power over. And mm. that model can't exist anymore. And that's one of the reasons where I really wrote the book, because this sense of, if you think about yourself as a leader, you can't know everything, right? right. Even you said, oh, I'm not, I don't wanna be responsible for the production piece. It's not <laughs> your area of expertise, so not. right? That's not right. Your area of expertise is to, interview people, put them at ease, draw out their insights and their experience. And that's what your, that's what your true gift is in this moment. And um, so leaders have to be able to rely on other people, right? And their deep expertise. And over the last 25 years, you've seen there's been a rise of expertise. There's more knowledge than ever been created before. We're processing 74 gigabytes of information per day. That's equal to about 16 movies. So we can't keep up. We cannot keep up. So if we want to, as leaders, be effective and impactful, then we have to rely on others who have a deeper expertise than we did. And in the old model, that was not the case. We held all the, we knew everything and we were telling people what to do. And that model just does not exist anymore. 
so interesting because I think once I really embraced that I don't have to know everything, um, and I can give you a, so many examples, but like when I started my business for, for Destination mm -hmm. Awaken, I thought I used to be an accountant. I'll do my own books. Well, that quickly, <laughs> I was like, there's a reason I'm not in accounting anymore. And, and it's not because I don't want to do it, you know? And so I quickly outsourced that. And, you know, one of the uh, leaders that I've had on the show, and I love this, and you probably have this in your book, you know, but he always says, outsource your weaknesses. Oh, yeah. I, and it's yeah. so true. And it just frees you up. For me, I need to be creative. That's what I need to do. Yeah. I don't want to do mundane tasks. Sorry, but accounting to me, it's not my favorite thing to do. So I want to outsource that. And I'm okay with yeah. that, not having that knowledge. And I think it's the awareness to know where you make the biggest impact and also what is your value in terms of purpose, right? And when you do that, then you can say, how do I surround my myself with the people who do have those expertise so I can have the greatest impact in, in where I want to play? That and that's the most important. That's the most important piece. You know, I think we could wrap the podcast right there. Where, <laughs> where do I want to play? You know, when no, I'm, where working, do you want to play when I'm working with, uh, candidates, my coaching clients, um, you know, that's yeah. the one thing I, I tell them, I'm like, you need to discover what you're passionate about. You need to learn yes. that about yourself because once you do that, you're never going to work a day in your life. I don't, I don't feel no. like I work. People would call it work, yeah. but I don't feel like it's work because I love yeah. it. I love going to the office. I love being you're with passionate. my team. I love helping people and I get to yeah. do that every single day. Yeah. And that was one thing that you asked um, as one of the pre-questions, right? What makes the difference with leaders um, who are super successful? And one of the things that I, I talk about that is I said, well, one is there's not one type of leadership, right? So we can't say successful leaders look like this because leadership, most of leadership is an art. It's not a science. Now, are there elements of science? Yes. Change management is an element of science, but most of leadership is really an art form because Leaders need to be, in order for them to be successful, they need to find their most authentic self. Mm -hmm. And part of that is finding the passion, right? If you have a leader that loves what they do and is passionate, it's infectious. And you want to work for that person because they're, they're, they're going to create a better future than potentially you can, or they can help you uncover what is most important to you. Um, so leaders need to know themselves well and have that. And when you know yourself well, then you know what your passion is. You know, I was, I was extremely, extremely lucky because when I was in university, I did an internship in, um, in the training department at the University of Buffalo. It was just a fluke, to be honest with you. And, um, and then I was like, oh, I want to go into training and development. I had no clue. I didn't study training and development. I did it. I did more my master's in organizational development and human resource management, but it was more like just again, following the intuition. And then it led me to a place that, um, where my pathway unfolded. And again, like you, I would do this stuff for free. I'm glad people pay me and I'm glad people pay me to do what I love, but it's, um, it's a true passion to be able to, to help people. I mean, I can only imagine that when you help somebody find their job, that they love getting up out of work, out of bed every morning to go to it, that, that must be the most satisfied thing that you can do every day. It is so, in fact, that is one of the questions I ask every candidate. What would make you happy to go to work? Yeah. 
and or get out of bed and go to work. You know, I mean, yeah. it's so no, absolutely that I mean, it's so important. I, I love and I talk about this frequently. Um, the studio that I record in Real News PR here in Dallas, um, mm. the owner has created a culture that he calls Thank God It's Monday. <laughs> I Don't love you? it. I, I, I love I it. Totally stole it. I'm using that everywhere now, but it love is it. so true. And yeah. you, you feel that energy when you walk through the front door. Yeah. It's just, it's just so welcoming and you're just so energized and yeah. you're so ready to go to talk to people like you. Yeah. So I have a question though. Yeah. Okay. So I read a book, you know, most of my questions start with, I read a book, but yes. and we were talking about it before the interview, but it was with the neuroscientist Tara mm -hmm. Swart. Now, she talked about the chemistry, the chemical reaction that one might have in a toxic environment, such as a work mm. environment or a relationship. And she was talking yeah. about how you release those chemicals through your mm. sweat. And for lack of a better word, they infect the people around you. So if you're dealing mm. with a stressed out boss, a toxic boss yeah. or leader, that can seep into your energy chemically. I mean, this is science, right? Yes. So my question to you though is, is the opposite true? If you have a I do leader. Believe the no, I do believe the opposite is true. Cause one of the things I talk about in the introduction of my book is I speak about entanglement theory and it's, I bring into physics and physics is saying entanglement theory is that we were all one at one time. So every aspect of each other. And when two particles separate that they experience the exact same things simultaneously. So I do believe that, and I do believe that is the foundation of this collective intelligence and co collective um, elements that we're living in. So we can feel, I mean, how many of you like that, you know, I was watching the news the other day and they were saying, oh, you know, Israelis are traumatized, the Palestinians are traumatized. And I was like, no, the whole world is traumatized watching right. it. Right? Yes. It's not just the people involved. It's that as human beings, we're so sensitive and we have a place of oneness that when one of one of our fellow human beings on this planet is in pain, we feel it. We feel it. That's part of that is part of the human nature of being human. Now, let me speak about something else you just mentioned about with the boss. If you have a toxic boss now, if you don't if this if this emotions are not released, right, then it, 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 it has to seep out somewhere else. So you might have a toxic boss, like for example, I can give you an example from my own personal life. My mom had a very toxic boss growing up. So when she came home, that toxicity ended up in how she related to us because mm -hmm. then she would get angry and get upset because she didn't know how to process those emotions to be able to clear that out. Now, what we wanna be able to do, obviously, and the work that I'm doing is, we wanna make sure that those toxic bosses are removed as much as possible. And part of that comes from, one is people have to have courage to give that toxic boss um, feedback. Like, here's the impact you're having on me. I'm not sure you realize it. You know, are we willing to have some of these courageous conversations with the people uh, around us that might be causing more harm than good? Wow, that is, and, and that is a courageous conversation. So- That's a courageous conversation. How would you recommend or advise someone to, well, first, what are some of the signs that you mm -hmm. are that of poor leadership and how would you recommend that somebody address that? What, what can they do to improve their environment? So I think there are a couple of things. One is you tend to see people either micromanaging 
They're on top of you. They're trying to control everything or they're under managing you. They're leaving teams too open. People have too much latitude and then they get lost and confused. Um, so that's one. The other thing is they, leaders who are not as effective, they can't handle challenging or difficult situations. So if things get overly complex or things get, um, say it goes into chaos, they're not able to, um, what I call settle down. They don't have the composure needed to be able to problem solve. So this is a problem that um, is, is related more towards their, they view situations as negative and therefore that shows up in how they engage with other people. The other thing that bosses who tend to be really bad is they tend to try to do everything themselves. They're not really willing to what I call let go, mm. right? So then people who are truly skilled feel really, really undervalued because they're not letting people do what they do better, you know, to, 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 so they can show up. Now you asked, what can somebody do? And I think this is really an important element because one is I mentioned they need to give feedback because if people don't give feedback, how is that leader going to know the impact that they're having? You know, we owe it to them. Wouldn't you want to get feedback if you knew you were having a negative impact on somebody? Oh, so we need to do it with an open heart. That's one, right? We need to be courageous because one of the things I say when people come to me and they say, oh, this conversation is really difficult. There's two things that come to mind. One is my best friend in the world, Lisa, once told me, she's also Lisa. Um, she said to me, Lisa, the conversation in your head is always going to be worse than the real conversation. So that's Good one advice. thing I always... It's always one thing I always remember is that this conversation is, is always going to be worse. The second thing is, is we need to do what I call a soft start. So if we're going to have a conversation like this, we need to start something like, you know, I'm concerned the team is having this impact or I'm concerned because I know you want to have this impact, but what's really happening is this. So these are important elements because one of the things that I've seen when it comes to courageous conversations is, is that it has to come from a place of authenticity in the heart. Because we can say you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing that. And the head tends to judge, mm. but the heart tends to embrace. And it creates space for the person to change. Because if the person is feeling judged, if the leader is feeling judged, then what will happen to them? They tend to shrink and they tend to get stuck in the patterns that they're already existing. And one of the things that I, I always like to remember is all of us on some level are wounded and we can't forget that. So if we are hitting somebody's wound, right, then we have to take a step back and say, how can we, how can we help that person and come from a place of compassion? The other thing that I think when it comes to managers who tend to micromanage or undermanage, or they're not really acting in the best way and they're, and they're struggling as leaders, is if you see you have a skill that they don't have, don't be afraid to fill it in. Meaning that if, you, if I'm a leader and I'm not, I know I'm not good at every little detail, right? If I have someone on my team who can do that for me, it takes the pressure off. And I think sometimes as direct reports, we're afraid to offer our gifts. And we need to be able to, to offer our gifts because if the leader takes, if that pressure takes is taken off the leader, then there is more space for them to be more reflective and for them to do something different. 
I think all of that, again, is great advice. Um, I, in fact, like I was having so many conversations in my head while you were talking about that, like revisiting times when I could have used mm -hmm. that conversation with toxic bosses. Now, do I think with some of them it would have made a difference? No, I don't because yeah. they were too set in their ways. But then that's a choice, right? Yeah. But then that's a conscious choice saying, I have done everything I can to fix this situation. And if I can't fix the situation, then it requires me to make a different choice. But I will tell you is that these conversations, as 